morning, everybody, and welcome to Join Air Christian Lifestyle podcast where we celebrate diversity within the body of Christ. I'm uh, Shane Fritz, and I'm so happy to be with you guys. Uh, we start the new year, 2024, and uh, it's the second year of our podcast, and I just wanted to jump on here and, and share something that um, this actually started to it woke me up out of sleep. Um, two days ago, I guess, and, and I'm a bit of a seer, like, uh, I see more than I hear from the Lord, if that makes sense, and so I woke up, and, and I was seeing, uh, two verses, uh, floating in my head, and, and the one was Luke 11, verse 16, and the other thing I was seeing was Luke 16, 8, so I want to share those two verses with you this morning. And uh, Luke eleven sixteen says, Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. And, and that verse is taken from uh, when Jesus uh, was casting the mute demon out uh, of the person. They were saying, you know, he does this by the power of Beelzebub. And, you know, they were uh, saying that, that Jesus' authority must come from the, from the kingdom of darkness. And they said, testing him. They sought from him a sign from heaven. And then the other, the other scripture was Luke 16, verse 8, uh, which says, So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And, and that was from the, the parable of the unjust steward. And so as I, as I reflected on those two seemingly unrelated, uh, verses, I was, I was mulling over them for the morning. And then I heard, uh, very clearly, I was actually at work and and I heard it very clearly. The sign they need is the sign of Jonah. And I started to reflect on that. It took me, of course, to the, the scripture there in Matthew, uh, I had to look it up, Matthew 16, verse 4, and it says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, Jesus speaking here. The sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. No sign except the sign of Jonah. And I started asking myself, what is the sign of Jonah? And again, I was hearing from the Holy Spirit, every generation needs the sign of Jonah. I said, Lord, what is the sign of Jonah? And here's what I came up with. It, it's not, the sign of Jonah was not the message uh, of impending destruction against Nineveh. It, it was not that, it was not the word that he preached to Nineveh. The sign of Jonah was not the things that that he experienced after preaching in Nineveh. The sign of Jonah has everything to do with the first two chapters of the book of Jonah. And what I wanted to what I wanted to put out there was that this sign of Jonah is is the picture of Christ. The sign of Jonah is the picture of Christ. That's why Jesus is saying they're not going to get anything except the sign of Jonah. Well, what is the what is the sign of Jonah that they were going to get? So, so Jonah 
uh, represents Jesus. And I had never really seen this before. Um, and as I started reading uh, Jonah to, to better understand you know, what this sign was, short book, four chapters, I started reading there and, and almost immediately I started being able to see um, where where they would match up and, and, and how this how Jonah was a forerunner to Christ and and so as Jonah represents Jesus, the account starts in Jonah one. And and what the Lord was showing me was that to understand how Jonah represents Jesus, we have to understand where Jonah's feet are. And so when we start in Jonah 1, Jonah's in his home. He's on dry ground. His feet are on dry ground. And the Lord was showing me that dry ground represents heaven. Dry ground represents where he should be, his, his natural home. And, and it says that he arose to flee. And what was he fleeing? It was the presence of the Lord. Jonah was was fleeing the presence of the Lord. He was he was leaving the presence of the Lord. And it said that he descended he was going to descend down to Tarshish. He goes to Joppa to descend to Tarshish. Well that that makes sense. Uh, Jesus did descend from heaven, right? He he came down to heaven. Jonah went down from heaven. And it said he paid a price. What was the price that he paid? It was his divinity. Come on, guys. This is this is Philippians chapter 2, right? This is him paying the price of laying his divinity aside to come down to earth. And so it says he goes down and he pays a price. He gets on a boat and he goes down into the boat. Say transportation. The boat is all about transportation. He's going from dry land to dry land. But how's he getting there? On a boat. And where are his feet? They're on a boat. They're over the water. Okay? They're over the water. And as we're going to see, the water... The water represents death, it represents hell, it represents the grave. He's over the water. He's kind of on dry ground, right? But what's what's happening? He's not really on dry ground. It's being swayed by his circumstances. Come on, guys, this is a picture of the earth. It's swayed by circumstances. It's swayed by death. It's swayed by hell. It's swayed by the grave. It's not where he is intended to be, but it's where he's transporting on and it says he goes below in the boat and when you think about his earthly ministry and his life on earth right 30 years where was he he was kind of down below in the boat 30 years he spent out of sight thirty years he spent below the boat until what until it was time to calm a storm that was created by God. He was calming a storm of judgment against the earth. He was calming the storm of a curse against the earth. And the sign of Jonah wasn't to Nineveh. It was to the sailors on the boat. It was to the people of the earth who were trying their best to stop the storm by appealing to their gods with a little G. 
everything except the God, the God Almighty. And so Jonah 2.8 says that those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. They were looking everywhere but to the right place. When you read the account in Jonah, it's obvious through the language that it's a picture of Jesus. They were casting lots. Jonah's head's wrapped in seaweed, a crown like the crown of thorns. He spent three days in the sea, held captive. Where are his feet? They were in the sea. It was the grave. It was hell. He was held captive by hell and death. And he returned to dry land. Where are his feet now? They're on dry land. They're back in heaven. Such a clear picture. We go back to those first two two verses that the Lord gave me that day. Luke 11, verse 16 says, Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. Luke 16, 8. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. The world is looking for a sign from heaven, and the sign they get is the sign of Jonah. The sons of this world are more shrewd. Why? That's what the verse said there. The sons of this world are more shrewd. And when I thought about that, I thought about this. They're like farmer's insurance. They know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. So, with false certainty, they think that they've seen it all. This is what, come on guys, this is what people do, right? We go from seeing a thing or two to right to seeing it all. This is human nature. We're impatient by human nature. We think we've seen a thing or two, so we think we've seen it all. And so because we think we know a thing or two, we think we know it all. And and apart from the Holy Spirit, we jump from knowing a thing or two to knowing everything. But what is the sign of Jonah that we provide back to the world? Jesus was the sign of Jonah. But Jonah, even though it's a beautiful image of Christ... But from a human perspective, it's a beautiful image of transformation. Because when we read this account, Jonah takes off on his own looking out for number one. Smart people would tell us that Jonah's parents were probably killed by people from Nineveh. He didn't like them. He almost had a personal vendetta against them. Why? Because they would have been the persecutors of his family. This was not like the dream missions trip that Jonah would have been sent on. Obviously, it wasn't fear that those people would kill him. It was actually a disdain for those people. And so he's like, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm going, I'm going to get on a boat and I'm going to go take care of myself. So he gets on a boat and when trouble arises, what happens is his heart shifts and no longer does he look out for number one. But in such a self-sacrificing, beautiful way, he gives up his life to save others. Come on, guys. The sign of Jonah is what we read in John 15, verses 12 through 13. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. It's selfless love. It's the testimony of Jesus. These sailors knew who Jonah was, and they'd see who he'd become. Jonah 1.10 he, it says, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. These sailors knew his story. 
They knew his story, and they knew what he was about to do. They knew his story, and they knew what he was going to do. And that would speak volumes to them. The world needs the sign of Jonah now. In a generation that's seen a thing or two, an evil, adulterous generation, a dark and dying world who makes themselves their own idols and forsakes their own mercy, they need the gospel made tangible through people. They need the gospel made tangible through you and I, guys. We have got to go and be the sign of Jonah this year. This year, in the year of 2024, we need to be the sign of Jonah to this generation. We need to lay aside our own self-interest and selflessly love others. Guys, that's what I got for you this morning. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. And until we talk again, be blessed.